Welcome to The New Thing, the monthly podcast from Humanity and Hope United, where we tell stories brought to life by your generosity. At Humanity and Hope, we're a community of warriors sent here to unleash our goodness on this earth by doing tangible things like feeding the hungry, helping kids go to school, and helping everyone find dignified housing and health care. We believe that the story of this world is one of hope, and that hope has a face, and that face is your face. Enjoy our stories from this past month, and better yet, become part of one next month. Welcome, 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 Humanity and Hope United family. My name is Riley Fuller. I'm founder of Humanity and Hope and one of the leaders on staff, and this is The New Thing. Stories of goodness brought to life by your generosity. March of 2021 has been an incredible month. It's a month of transformative steps in education. Let me tell you about a couple things that have happened in the last month or so. So the first two students ever from communities that Humanity and Hope United partners with have gone to university. David from La Cuchilla went to the military university in Comayagua. And Samuel, also from La Cuchilla, is going to the National University in San Pedro. And we're so incredibly excited that they're doing a new thing and creating the first path ever to university from La Cuchilla. Along with that, eight students are set to graduate from high school at the end of this year, marking the biggest wave of students ever to graduate from high school from communities that Humanity and Hope United partners with. Recently, there were a group of leaders, Jordan Fuller and Aminta Swaso, who were sitting with this group of students, and they asked them, where do you see yourself 10 years from now? And the answer they gave is that they said they saw themselves volunteering or working for H&H, and they saw themselves sponsoring other kids to graduate high school through H&H just like they did. So to see that snowball of generosity start to grow is incredibly exciting to everybody, especially those kids who, who see themselves having more power than they ever had in their life. Another really exciting update is that uh, two kids, Jimmy and Alex from La Carosa, have been chosen to go to Guatemala for a month-long study abroad program. They're the only two students chosen at the Glass School, and for them, the ability to see a different country for a month is another new thing. Before that, for the most part, the only time people would see another country is when they were on a journey that they'd rather not be on. The last big story that I'm excited to share with you this month pertaining to education is that just this week, we're interviewing doctors and are going to add a second doctor to the full-time team. Now, doctors are not just there to treat acute issues or to help when bones are broken. Ideally, they get in front of the illness itself and they build health into the minds of people, into the ways that they take care of themselves and to each other. In other words, a lot of their work is education on the front end before problems even happen. So those are some of the stories that are happening this month. And it's clear that we're doing a new thing in communities that were once completely owned by brokenness, broken dreams, and really a belief that poverty was the master. They're changing. New things are, are being born. It's beautiful to see professionals coming from a place that didn't have much of a hope to create people with a college education too long ago. Justice warriors being formed and the tides being turned in a way that's going to affect generations for a really long time. That kind of transformation, honestly, new things happening, rivers being born in the desert. That's what we're all about. It's what we long for. It's what we hope for. And the only way that we've ever been able to make any of these things happen 
is through a true relationship, a relationship built on love and a relationship where we're there for one purpose and one purpose only. And it's to honor the person in front of us, to listen to them and to show them through the quality of the way that we treat them, that they truly are built, born in the image of God. That's the very best thing that we get to be a part of. And, and when we do that, when we build relationships like that, built on trust and authenticity, those stories literally change the world. Those stories can become strong enough that kids believe that they can do something that they've never seen anybody around them do, like graduate from university. So again, these stories that change the world, they're our treasure. They're our jewel. They're, they're what we fight for. And this month's story is a story just like that. One where somebody gets to build a relationship with a person that they probably never should have met. They end up getting to share real things with each other and both sides get to see transformation. That's what happens when we connect honestly with each other is that everybody has changed for the better. So without further ado, I'm bringing on my good friend, Matt Woodson, to talk about the first story that captured his art in Honduras. Yeah. Thanks, Riley. Matt, welcome, buddy. This has been a long time coming. Yeah. It has. So Matt, give us the backdrop. How did you ever decide to think about Honduras or, or get on that plane uh, that took you to the story that we're going to talk about? My introduction to Honduras was actually through coffee and through Generous and not through Humanity and Hope, even though it was a, a joint trip. I was going into it thinking, this is going to be a cool trip. I'm going to go see awesome coffee farms. I love, love, love coffee, coffee geek, nerd. And, and that was just kind of what my mindset of going into this was. It wasn't necessarily service-oriented. It wasn't necessarily, oh, something big's going to happen on this trip for me. It was just, I'm excited to go check out a new country and learn about coffee. So taking a step back, Matt went on a trip that's a little bit different than the ones that most of us have gone on. On Generous Adventures, our goal is to get to see coffee farmers, to understand the process, but really to go on an unforgettable adventure in a country that most of the people had never been to ahead of time. So Matt, would it be fair to say that you were on board for a coffee adventure and, and not really so much the get dirty in somebody's house, or at least in terms of what you were hoping for and excited about? It was. I was open. I knew that this was going to be a unique trip since this was kind of scoping out what generous adventures could look like. So it was it was going to be a little bit of both worlds. So I was prepared for the H&H side of the trip, but didn't really know what to expect and definitely was not expecting any sort of life change to happen or really like desiring it necessarily either. Bud was open to it. That's why we're here, because it <laughs> happened. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and that's that's a good point. This story that happened, it's been so magnetic that it's touched your heart in a variety of ways that I've gotten to see. So you were brought in by the coffee. And since then, I've seen you help Humanity and Hope United with marketing, with healthcare, with fundraising. And now you have a spot on the economy team, helping entrepreneurs in Honduras work with business leaders from the United States to create profitable and ongoing jobs. So even though this isn't what you were expecting, I've seen it touch your heart in a way that's really led you to dive all in. Yeah. Uh, without belaboring more, tell us about this story. Set it up for us and uh, share the story with us that touched your heart. Yeah, so this is nearly almost four years ago now, I suppose. It was towards the tail end of our trip, which the first part was that coffee piece. And then we took a very, very long, long bus ride. 
from the mountainous region of Honduras, where the coffee farms are, to El Progreso. We were tired. It was a long journey. It was coming towards the end of the trip. This is where we were told, hey, you know, this is where it gets down and dirty. This is why Generous exists, so we can help support and change the communities that we serve. So we were briefed a little bit going into that. The story for me was what I refer to as my defining moment. I think it's fair to say that everyone who goes on a trip with Humanity and Hope has a defining moment, a moment that will hunt you down and you will stiff arm it and you will think, no, I'm too good for it. Maybe, or maybe you're welcoming it, you're expecting it, you're wanting it. Whatever your posture is, it's going to happen. It's inevitable. And so my defining moment was the moment on the last day of our trip. We visited La Cuchilla and we did something that is, I would arguably say, everybody's favorite part, which are home visits, where we visit the homes and the communities and sit with the families and ask questions and learn. Similar to calling up your friend on a Friday night and saying, hey, want to hang out? It's what these home visits kind of feel like. I was hopping around to different homes and I landed on a home of a couple of family, Raul and Maria. We were sitting there and I believe, Riley, you you had showed up um, a few minutes after you know, we were we were sitting there and talking and, and kind of joined the conversation. I was listening to their story. So really the beauty in in my story and our stories and all the stories that we tell are that they're interconnected uh, and that they come from a place of a story on one side, which is, you know, the Honduran side and a place of the other side, which is our side as Americans. And those two end up holding hands and and creating a a comprehensive and a holistic story that I would argue would be that defining moment. So I learned a little bit about what was going on with their family. So this was before La Cuchilla had the chicken business. So Maria was asking lots of questions about, Riley, when can we work? When can we work? When are we going to work? They were eager. The women in the community were eager to work, and we were working hard to fund that chicken business. Now, Raul was, uh, her husband was in a different situation. And when I asked him, you know, what do you do for work? He explained a situation that was what was hard and difficult. And I think you can kind of touch a little bit more about what was going on at the time. Yeah. So back then, back in 2017, One of the big farms, the closest one to La Cuchilla, Chiquita Banana, it had changed parts of ownership. And before I go fully into the story, I have not researched this outside of what I've been told in Honduras. So this is all based on what I've heard and nothing more. All right. This particular factory changed hands and went from a Honduran owner to a Brazilian owner. And typically in this job, you were provided healthcare. In fact, they had started, uh, this particular banana company had started their own healthcare or their own hospital so they could manage their healthcare costs. Well, when ownership changed hands and it went from Honduran hands to Brazilian ones, they looked at ways that the company could save money and they looked at the healthcare as one of the biggest, probably non-essential operating costs. For that reason, they decided to take it away. When they did that, the people who had worked there 
for generations, and the people in Lacachia were a part of that group. They said, we're not going to work for you unless you provide health care. And so because of that, they just came to a standoff and nobody was working. And that's where Raul found himself that day. That particular labor standoff lasted over a year. So at that point, I believe Raul had gone probably around seven, eight months with no work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was probably around that time. There was no work. He explained the difficulties of agreeing with the the standoff or the strike, you could call it. Um, but also he was at a point where he had a financial responsibility to his family and it was frustrating for him. So not only did he find himself in this predicament, but he didn't even have the option to go back to work. Even if he wanted to go against the grain, go against the rest of the laborers who were kind of standing off, he didn't have that option to just go show up and say, okay, I'll work, even though you're not providing health care. So he had been really struggling to find odd jobs and really became what we would refer to as a handyman. Any job that he found, anything that needed to be done, he would do it. And the tough part about that is, you know, there's an unreliable source of income there. Some days he would wake up and have work. Some days he wouldn't. The financial responsibility was not just providing food and shelter for his family, but his son, little Raul, was actually very, very sick and had some sort of complication with his digestive system, I believe. And we didn't know, you know, the details. They didn't know exactly what the diagnosis was. They just knew that their son was sick and they had medical bills. They had to get him to the hospital. And unlike here, you can't just drive down to urgent care and or the ER and, and go into the hospital. To get to a hospital, the journey's pretty long from La Cuchilla, right? It is. And at that point, nobody in La Cuchilla owned a vehicle. Right. So to get out of the community, you had to walk probably at that point, I think about an hour. Yeah. To get to a main road where you could then find a taxi or a bus. Or a bus. Yeah. So I think I, I remember Raul explaining this situation. So, you know, I, I asked Raul, what, how, are, how are you doing? How, are the costs being covered? Well, yes and no. I've had to start selling my tools is what he told me. And I, I didn't really fully understand that. And I said, well, why are you selling your tools? And that's when he brought me around back. And you could tell he took pride in his tools. These were the tools that he used to do these odd jobs, to support his family, to provide his family. And now he was coming to a point where he had to actually sell these tools to generate income. The problem there, as you probably have already figured out, is if you sell your tools, then he can't do these odd jobs. And so he found himself in a really scared position of saying, this is what I have to do in order to cover my son's medical expenses. But I'm, I'm nervous because now I, I can't work after all my tools are gone. And he had already sold probably a little over half of his tools. And he was getting ready to sell one of his most valuable tools, which was a long pole cutter that they used to, to get like some of the coconuts down, I think. Palm fruit. Yeah, palm fruit. Uh, and that was a super valuable tool not a lot of people had, uh, which, you know, when you have a, a tool that not many people have, that makes you more valuable on the market. So he was able to provide a service that not a whole lot of people were with that tool. 
And so he was telling me, you know, I, I'm going to have to sell this and it, it, it hurts because I love this tool, but I also need this to, to continue on. Hearing this story of Raul and his desperation is where my heart started to just slowly crack and break. At this point, I had been talking to Raul for a while. Everybody else was on the bus, loaded up, ready to get out of the community. I was kind of stuck behind. And generally, we, we don't like to hand out anything with, with H&H. You know, one of my favorite things that you said on that trip, Riley, was that we're not on a poverty tour. This is not a tour to go look at poor people. This is a tour to love and to invest in the lives of, of community and with that comes, you know, let's not, let's try not to just hand out money. Well, I couldn't necessarily help myself at that time. And I, I saw a need. And so I, I did, I, I asked you, Riley, hey, I know we're not supposed to do this, but it's the last day I've got, I don't know how much Lumpira, uh, which is the Honduran currency. I, I don't know how much I have, but I have it in my wallet. I'm not gonna reconvert it back into US dollars. Can I just give them what I have left? You agreed to to break that procedure in this instance. I've always had this philosophy that if you're going to make a mistake, err on the side of generosity. Yeah, that's good. And I mean, and that's exactly what... Um, that's what we did. That's what we did. And so met Raul at the back of his house. I said, hey, listen, I want you to retain as many tools as you can. So I don't want you to sell that that specific tool I would like to give you a gift, but I would like this gift to be utilized to help cover medical expenses, to help cover whatever you need to do. But just th this gift is from me to you to just hopefully help alleviate your financial situation. Of course, Raul at that point was incredibly thankful and grateful. I was a mess. <laughs> I was shaking. I, I just, it was hard because I didn't know how much money I was giving him. So I think I looked at you and I was like, is this a lot? Like, is this, and am I insulting him by giving him anything? And you're like, oh, I mean, the littlest amount is the greatest amount to them. And so, but I believe it was a pretty sizable, substantial amount. And that was that. I walked out of the house. I hugged them. I prayed with them and I made it about 20 yards past their uh, drive in the dirt road. And that is where I can take myself back to. Nobody else was around, nobody was looking, and I lost it. I just began to cry. And I just remember walking and tears just streaming down my face, that feeling of heartbreak where your stomach is turning and it hurts and your chest hurts and your mind is is going crazy and you're angry and you're mad at what you just experienced because you're about to get on a plane tomorrow and fly back to a really nice apartment with a bed and not have to worry about anything that you just were exposed to. That walk was incredibly special for me as I walked back to the bus, breaking, crying, feeling uh, everything. And that is the moment that I realized that I wasn't on a trip to check out coffee farms and learn more about really good coffee and experience a new country. And I wasn't on vacation. I, I was there and I was brought there for a greater purpose. And I vowed on that walk 
that I would be back, first of all. And second of all, that I would invest whatever I could, my time, my energy, any financials that I could into the mission of Humanity and Hope. The best part is that that's just part one of that story. So the piece that really kind of brings it home for me was visiting on my next trip, which was about about a year later, maybe a little less. I was so excited to go to La Cuchilla. When are we going to La Cuchilla, Riley? When are we going to La Cuchilla? Oh, we go this day, we go this day. Okay, great. We get off the bus. We're taking tours of the different places. When do we get to do home visits? I just wanted to see Raul and Maria. I finally did, of course. I walked up to the house and I was nervous. It had been a little while. Like, would they remember me? They see a lot of people. And I asked them, hi, you know, do you remember me? Uh, I was here not too long ago. It was less than a year, actually. I was here not too long ago. Uh, Raul's face was just vibrant. Uh, and so was Maria's. And they said, how could we not remember you? To which, of course, I was like, well, th- thank you. That's that's very nice. <laughs> they said, no, we, you know, they, they referred me, to me in a, in a Spanish word that I believe translated to, to angel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that felt very, to be completely honest, that felt very odd to me. Why, why are they calling me an angel? Like that feels undeserved, first of all. And what, ma- what makes me an angel? Um, and, and they went on to explain that a week after I left that first trip, their son, they found out their son had to have a procedure. And this was the procedure that was going to save him. They had to have it immediately. So they took the trek, they made the trek. Uh, to El Progreso, to the hospital. They had no idea how much it was going to cost. They had no idea how they were going to do it. They just knew that this was going to save their son's life. And they get there, the procedure goes well, and they go up to pay the bill, or at least see what the bill was. He took out the envelope that I had given him a week earlier, and he asked how much the bill was and they let him know. And he said, well, this, this is all I have. And he handed them the, the envelope and they took out the money and it was to the exact dollar amount of what was owed. So <clears throat> just to recap, Matt <laughs> went on, you went on a generous adventure because you love coffee and you love buying things that, you know, do good stuff. Yeah. At the end of that trip, you got to go on the second part of the adventure, which is actually sitting face to face with people while you were sitting in front of a family. You had a moment that really touched your heart because you saw the man, the father, the provider of that family about to sell the only thing that was going to allow him to provide. And you can't explain why you're in that moment. I definitely can't explain why you're in that moment. But God put you there. And when he put you there, he gave you something else to give, you know, more than just your presence, more than your encouragement and your hope. He gave you something real, you know, a number of Lempiras. And rather than question it, rather than think about it, you just left it. We talked about it for a second and you just get you left it. You gave it to um, gave it to Raul. And then it just so happened that that was the exact amount of money that he needed to save his son's life. Yeah. And and when he told me that, that's when I realized why he, 
he and Maria had referred to me as an as an angel because they truly believed that I was an angel sent by God ahead of the unknown. You know, that that is something that, yeah, one, obviously I'll never forget. And two, I I mean, put yourself in 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 my shoes and in that moment when he told me that <laughs> talking about weak knees, I was overwhelmed, overcome just by God's goodness, by his provision, by his all-knowingness, by the fact that I, as an individual, through an organization, Humanity and Hope, definitely through God, was able to tangibly make a difference in a life or death scenario without even knowing. It was passive. It was, I felt compelled to give the money. I had no idea. And uh, I remember saying, well, after I got myself composed, how is your son? Where, where is he? How's he doing? Is everything okay? Oh, yeah, he's out playing soccer right now with the kids in the field. And when I had first visited, he was not allowed out of the house. He couldn't, he couldn't barely move. And he was pretty much bedridden. Um, and now he was out there laughing and, and screaming and playing soccer uh, with all the other kids in the community. So that's my story that will forever live with me. And on that trip, they welcomed me into their family, which was an, an unfamiliar process for me. It's a cultural thing, but they said, we view you as, you know, our son, as our, a member of our family. And that was a very high honor. And so every time I visit Honduras, which is often, I bring Maria a bag of chocolate because that's what she likes. And Raul and I get to catch up on how his work's going. They're my family. I'm their family. And now I, I get to I get to have family in another country. I get to have family in Honduras. And that's just really special. That story of not just being called an angel, but this is the way they perceive life. Right. To, to them, you are an angel. The story about you being an angel is going to transform your life and other people's. I mean, I imagine that Somebody listening to this right now is probably considering a trip, thinking about a trip, and they're probably looking at it through the perspective of this is my thing. You know, this is my decision. And it's hard for us to look at it that potentially our obedience is going to mean someone else either sees an angel or they don't. And that's a weird, hard, spiritual thing to confront. Right. It's not a black and white thing. Nobody knows the answer. Right. But what you know is that if for whatever reason you wouldn't have taken that step that you felt like was for you, but you weren't 100% sure, nobody ever is. If you wouldn't have done that, if something would have gotten in the way, then Raul and Maria's son, who, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And I'll just say when we take the step that we're confident through the spirit of life, through the Holy Spirit, whatever you want to call it, that we're confident, the universe, that that is our step. Not only does it bring us more to life, it brings life directly to the hands of people who desperately need it at the same time. And everybody grows, life gets better. And I'd say everybody's soul gets bigger. You know, more yeah. life goes where before there was not nearly as much life. And so that's, to me, the point of Matt's story. This story of transformation and him being exactly what somebody needed right during the time when they needed it, that's a story that can be told forever. And I guarantee in their family, that story will be told forever. Probably, right. probably in yours too. Yeah. Oh, absolutely will. And it also, for anyone listening that is considering a trip or 
has considered a trip and I hear this all the time. Oh, I've always wanted to do that. I've always wanted to go on a trip like that. My biggest encouragement there would be, okay, didn't do it. And whether it's with us or another organization or on your own, the biggest thing I would, uh, I would say that I, that I took out of this is that you don't have to have a certain set of skills. You don't have to have a certain income. You don't have to have um, really any qualifications to change the world. You don't have to have qualifications to be someone's angel. That's right. Well, Matt, thanks so much for sharing your story. It's honestly one of the most powerful stories, one of the coolest stories that I've ever gotten to be a part of. And for the people who got to hear it today, I hope that you got to enjoy it too. And more than that, I hope that you get to see yourself in this hero's seat. Because like Matt was saying, and oh my goodness, I can I can attest to through personal experience. He didn't choose to be the hero. He chose to take a step and go on a coffee tour. And then once he was there, he chose to be present. Yeah. And it was being a hero that chose you through yeah. doing something that seemed small at the time. So that's what I want. That's what I want to put in front of everybody who's listening to this, that we all, we may not know what will be one of the key steps in our life. And for you, Matt, one of the key steps was getting your heart broken so that you could then reorient it towards something that was truly worth your time. And so we don't know what's going to be one of those holy steps for us, but we do know that it's going to be outside of our comfort zone because everything that we truly want is outside of our comfort zone anyway, or else we'd have it, right? Right. So that means that it's incumbent on us, people sitting here thinking about transformation and life change. What do I really want? What question do I really want to answer with my life? And what Matt and I are saying imperfectly, along with a whole bunch of other people, is that the question that we want to answer is, what am I doing to help other people? And so no matter who we are, no matter who you are, where you're at, we just encourage you to ask yourself that question honestly today. What am I doing to help people? And if you have a clear answer, that's great. And if you don't, there's a team of people here at Humanity and Hope United that would love to have you be a part of our team of justice warriors here. So again, Matt, thanks so much for sharing your story. Thanks to all the people who are tuning in. This is the New Thing podcast by Humanity and Hope, stories of goodness brought to life by your generosity. We surely appreciate you. Thanks so much for listening. Well, that's this month's episode of The New Thing. Thanks for joining in. And more importantly, thanks for making those stories come to life. Never forget how important you are. Never forget how powerful your story is. And remember, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive. And then go do it. Because what the world really needs are people who have come alive.